Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am so glad that you are here. This is the first podcast that I've done in almost a month. I came down with COVID at the 1st of August, and it pretty much shut me down for a month. I'm still recovering. I am out of quarantine. I am not contagious, and I'm on the road to recovery. But doing podcast and doing work, let's just say that I have the world's worst case of lethargy. I am so tired. I spend most of my days sleeping. And so I don't want to make this podcast about that, but I did want you to know that as I proceed through. I'm going to try to do this podcast because I had a lady come to our ministry yesterday and she said that uh, her employer came to her and told her, that if she did not get the vaccine, uh, that she would lose her job. And she was asking us questions about that. And of course, that's what we do. We serve the body of Christ the most effectively as, as we can. And so I sat down and I wrote an article for her. And I want to share that article with you. But I did want to give you that brief update about me and my COVID journey. Perhaps in another podcast, I'll give you a complete overview of that. I don't want to hide the ball there, uh, but it seems in my mind at this point, it's more important to serve uh, this lady with this question than it is to talk about whatever I've been going through most recently with COVID. But I do want you to know that I am doing better and I'm going to try to get back on the podcasting uh, scene uh, as soon as possible. And this is my first endeavor at it. Now, this lady is not an isolated situation. Uh, over the past month, I, I have been monitoring our forums. I have been reading the forum responses. And honestly, uh, we have had a deluge of people who have come to us with two particular things that they have been sharing. They have either had a loved one, a friend who had died of COVID, or uh, they're in the throes of making a decision as to whether they should get the vaccine or not. For example, I was speaking in Laredo, Texas at the first of the month, which is where I uh, got COVID. And right before I got up to speak on a Sunday morning, we just received the news of a lady who passed away from COVID. She was 20-something, 23, 27, something like that. And she just passed away. I got that news less than 10 minutes before I got up to speak, and it was just devastating for the church. And then as I I came back home, uh, people were uh, coming to our forums and asking questions. And Jolene, for example, is a mastermind student. And she told us just last Saturday that her mother passed away from COVID. And then another lady came on and, and she was talking. These are all independent sources. They're unrelated to each other. But I'm just trying to communicate that there have been a lot of folks who are struggling with the COVID and also with uh, the mandated vaccine protocols that are being enacted around the world. 
Yeah, another lady talked about a couple of people from her church who passed away, and there have been others. And then there's another group of folks who have come to us, and and they're talking about the mandated vaccines, like this lady here, this supporter of our ministry. Another woman came, and she was saying that she's in the same place to where potentially she will lose her job if she doesn't get the vaccine. And then she talked about some of her children. Uh, one child is going to lose uh, their academic uh, tra- training and potential career path if they do not get vaccinated according to the new rules coming down from uh, the school's administration. And then another uh, child who potentially will lose their job if they do not get vaccinated. And so my point being is that there has been a deluge. And so when this lady came on yesterday and was sharing her story about the latest mandate that's specific to her, I sat down and I wrote this article that I want to share with you. And I'm trying to navigate through it as charitably as possible but also want to be honest as well uh, with how I see things from a biblical perspective. And because we love our community and the problems that they have are very real, uh, I don't know anything more real than what some of the stories that I've just described to you. We want to serve them effectively. And so I wrote this article for her, and now I'm putting it in a podcast because I know that this affects so many people. And so as I go through this, if you have any questions about anything that I share with you in this podcast, the article, uh, please come to our community forums and you can talk to us. We will not turn you away. We we really will not. And we will be kind to you as well. We are a civil community. Uh, we all do not agree on everything, but isn't that the beauty of the body of Christ? We can do that. We can disagree in a charitable way. And so I want you to know that when you come to our ministry that you can state your opinion. And, of course, you need to do it in a civil way, of course. And as you do that, uh, we want to respond to you, and we will work uh, very hard to try to help you the best that we possibly can. That is what we do. Our ministry is underwritten. There are folks who uh, really believe in what we're doing, and they have the means to be able to support us so that everybody can benefit. And I thank God for this small army that under, underwrites us financially. And because of that, you can read this article. You can spend weeks studying it and all the supplemental links. You can watch this one-hour webinar. All you have to do is click a button. There's, there's no email to to give. There's nothing like that at all. It's just free to you. And of course, you can share it with uh, your friends as well. Then uh, you can jump on our forums and talk to us. And many of you will need to do that because you're in the throes of this uh, problem specifically of what I'm addressing in this podcast are the uh, mandated vaccines that are sweeping around the world. Now, the title of the podcast and the article that I wrote to this lady here is, What's the Big Deal with You? Get the Vaccine Already. 
Now, as you hear the tone of that title, I, I wrote it out specifically that way with that kind of tone because I want you to hear what she is hearing. Now, this is not my perspective. This is not my attitude. It most definitely is not my tone toward this lady. I love her and her husband, and I thank God for them and thank thankful that they too have been part of our ministry. But I, I wanted you to hear what she's hearing when someone is coming to her and mandating that they do something that, from her perspective, is against her conscience. It sounds just that harsh. It sounds just that aggressively tonal. Again, the title of the podcast, What's the Big Deal With You? Get the Vaccine Already. And so I want you to hear the harshness of it and how uh, it is not only talking down to her, but it's pushing her into a corner to make a decision that she really does not want to make. But more than that, there's another thought here. What's the big deal with you? Well, there is a big deal with her. There's a big deal with many people who do not want the vaccine. And I trust that this podcast will help uh, just a little bit to explain somewhat, in part, what the big deal is. And so this podcast, written to a friend of our ministry who is being mandated to get the vaccine or she will lose her livelihood. Again, the title, What's the Big Deal with You? Get the vaccine already. This is the letter that I wrote to my friend. The whole world is at war. It's a war between good and evil, as always. Some of the skirmishes are between military combatants. But the purpose of this letter that I'm writing to you is not between those warriors in the traditional theaters as we understand warfare. I'm understanding, I'm addressing rather, those other warriors, specifically those who have never been to war but have benefited from our most significant battles. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to me. You see, we have an adversary, and he is the devil. He desires to devour us. And the irony of our modern-day war in a non-traditional theater is that it has come to us in the most innocuous of ways. Maybe I could frame it in a question to talk about this new war that we're in today. Should you take the vaccine or not? Who would have thought just a few years ago that this would be the war, that this would be the battleground, that this would be the thing that would divide brother from brother, mother from father, parents from children, husbands from wives, and church member from church member, neighbor from neighbor. Because the Bible does not prohibit or mandate a vaccine, our posture must be purposeful freedom meaning each person has to choose based on criteria that are unique to them. Not, not what is unique to your neighbor, not as what is unique to your best friend, but what is unique to you. This is a personal freedom issue because the Bible does not explicitly say that you have to have a vaccine. It does not have to be a sin to get the vaccine for those who choose to do it. And for those who choose to do it, praise God for them. If they work through the process in a biblical fashion, if they can make the decision without fear, guilt, intimidation, or mandate, and they choose to get the vaccine, I rejoice in their Christian charity. 
But it doesn't have to be wrong to refrain from the vaccine either. To his own master, a person will stand or fall. You choose your master and you stand or fall accordingly. Now, with full disclosure in view, I have chosen not to get vaccinated because I tend to be more protective about what I put in my body. Even when I make that statement, I am not suggesting that other people are more careless than I am. I am speaking specifically in a vacuum about me and how I think about what I put in my body. I also have less trust over faceless entities who do not know me, do not have my best interest in view, and care more about their agendas or personal successes than my life. You see, when it comes to such a personal matter as getting a vaccination, other-centeredness, caring more about me than yourself, means something to me, especially when the consequences of the mandates are the highest. Now, I do not sense the need to compete or begrudge an individual's ambitions or life goals, but when their objectives require my adherence to help them reach their life goals, I tend to slow down from full submission to whatever their talking points are. When public servants lose their call to serve, I distance myself from their practices and policies, using other criteria for determining if I want to follow their warnings or the consequences that they believe will happen if I do not obey them. And so without being a cynic, my discernment guides me from going all in with folks who promote themselves to being on the right side of things, when there are many other policymakers and good people that are against what is rousing my suspicions. For example, many of those who want me to get a vaccine reject my God. If they are wrong about God, could they be wrong in their utopian view of life? Now, I am not suggesting that every believer is, every unbeliever rather, is wrong about everything. That is not true. Every unbeliever is right about some things, and every believer is not always right. There are many unbelievers I love to read. I love to listen to them. I love to learn from them. And there is also a growing list of believers that I do not trust. Should it be this way? Well, of course, the Bible told us it would be this way. To expect no wolves with the sheep, to expect no weeds among the flowers. Well, that is a naive way to live one's life. And so I realize things are convoluted and conflated, but I'm reasonably, reasonably comfortable with weeds and wolves. But everyone named Little Red Riding Hood is not my friend. I recognize that many believers believe in the vaccine, and they would suggest that I'm wrong on this matter. I can accept their view. Honestly, I am okay with their view. I am okay with their perspective, as long as they don't make their preference, their right my mandate. You see, once dogmatism becomes the order over Christian charity, especially among believers, I have to question the sincerity of the dogma and the dogmatist. 
If we cannot agree to disagree over secondary issues, then those who won't permit Christian charity create a red flag that is hard for me to navigate. My friend who sent the note to me letting me know that she had to get the vaccine or she would lose her job, she also sent a video that I have linked here in this podcast, in this article here. And as I was listening to the lady who had a daughter who was adversely affected by the vaccine, this lady is pro-science, and she believed in the vaccine, and so she followed suit. I am okay with that. I support her uh, position, and I support the decision that she made in the way that she made it, in the context in which she made it at that time. But in the video, she stated that she was pro-science. And it was almost like a false continuum, that pro-science means pro-good outcome. It sounded more like an apology, to be honest with you. I doubt she intended how it sounded on the video, but she suggested that she was pro-science, but then this happened to her daughter as though, how could this happen because I am pro-science? I have heard this apologetic before. When some folks talk about science, it sounds like, well, if you don't believe the current scientific narrative, then you're anti-science. No, not me. I am pro-science. And because I'm pro-science, this is going to be the outcome. But in her case, it was not true at all. In fact, the results have been devastating as she shared her story through tears. It begs the question, you can be pro-science and not take the vaccine, can't you? Again, when a scientific position has only one option with no dissent, I struggle with the scientific position. I live long enough to follow the science, only realizing later that it's unwise to follow that science any longer. If any person followed the science over the past two years, you would see how the science has jumped repeatedly from one antithesis to another. When politicians and pundits refuse to be honest about these vacillations, they do not instill confidence among the masses. You can be pro-science and have a wait-and-see posture to let the science prove itself. As such, the back and forth with the science does not create confidence, but it undercuts the points the authorities want to make. One of the odder components of this controversy is not allowing the science to stand on its merit. Let me give you an example. You see, if the vaccines work, then any person who gets a vaccine should be fine. Let the science stand on its own feet. If the science is true, and it would not matter what other choices that other people make, each person must choose how risk-averse they want to be. And if someone is not risk-averse to forego the vaccine, they have the right to become vaccinated. Let me give you two illustrations. One, a flu, a common flu illustration. And then I want to use an analogy, an alcoholic illustration, a flu illustration. In years past, each individual or family would make the flu shot decision. 
which was not a matter of public policy or debate. If you got it, you assumed reasonable protection from the strain of flu that was going around that year. If you chose not to get the flu vaccine, you accepted the risk. Case closed. Those who got the vaccine were comfortable with their decision. They did not force their decision on others. Those who did not want the vaccine, they did not accept the vaccine, and they did accept the risks that accompanied not getting the vaccine. That's normal. That's the way it should be. But by way of analogy, let me give you an alcoholic illustration. Let's suppose that you don't want to be an alcoholic. You you don't want to be addicted to alcohol. What do you do? You do not drink alcohol. But in this illustration, it's not enough just for you not to drink alcohol. You must demand and mandate that no one else drinks alcohol as well, or you will be affected by their choice to drink. That is ludicrous. Now, some will argue that it's apples and oranges, which is not the case at all if the vaccine's efficacy is sure and steadfast. You see, if the vaccine's efficacy is sure and steadfast, then all you have to do is get the vaccine and you are protected regardless of what other people choose to do. Now, we also know that in this narrative, there is a meta-narrative. Everything that I've shared with you thus far is about what's going on in your life, in your corner of the world. But we know that this vaccine is just not an isolated personal problem that you have between you and your employer. There is a meta-narrative. A meta-narrative is a grand narrative, an overriding narrative that is bigger and greater and more profound than what is going on in our individual lives. You see, the vaccine apparently is a Trojan horse to a more complex issue. As more data comes from China, the originator of the virus, and of course these problems that we have been experiencing for the past couple of years, we know that part of the Chinese government's philosophy for world dominance is to plant a thousand flowers to see which ones will grow. They just continue to spread their dominance around the world in the most subtle ways, As someone has once coined, they are planting a thousand flowers to see which ones would grow. Perhaps kudzu would be a better analogy. China has not been secretive about its aspirations for world dominance. And one of their more successful initiatives has been their gain-of-function research and implementation of a global pandemic. Perhaps you have heard the term gain-of-function. Let me give you an illustration to explain what it means. Let's suppose that you have a rock, and that rock has one particular function. And then you continue to tinker with that rock, and you add a function to it. Now that rock becomes a brick. It is a more powerful rock now because it has gained a function. And then you continue to tinker with that brick until it becomes a cement block. What used to be a rock has gained a function, it is now a brick, and now it has gained another function, it has become a concrete block. And you continue to tinker with the concrete block until it becomes a boulder. And then eventually the boulder becomes an avalanche. 
Well, that is what gain of function means. You take a simple virus and you tinker with it and you add to it until it becomes a super virus. It keeps gaining more function until it's more powerful, until eventually it is an avalanche, a pandemic that is rolling over the world. That is what gain of function means. Of course, there are those in America who are doing the bidding of those who hate our country. Some of these folks are co-conspirators, or perhaps they are ignorant accomplices. Their greed has created myopia that blinds them to our country's autoimmune disease that is eating away at the constitutional core of our country. Disney Corporation, for example, LeBron James and the Apple Corporation are three of these co-conspirators or unwitting accomplices. We must not divorce ourselves from this meta-narrative. We must not divorce ourselves from this grand narrative that's happening at a global level as we think about what's going on in our individual lives as we make daily decisions about whether to vax or not to vax. It's the lesser decisions to stand for personal freedom that will bring the fight to those who want to roll their agenda over you. Too many of us discount our lives and micro decisions in our little world as though our tiny drops of water in the ocean do not affect the sea. Perhaps that is correct with one droplet. But when millions of folks make the same non-combative, non-resistant decision, it becomes collective guilt and blame. You see, most Christians continue to kick the can of conflict and confrontation down the road. They don't want to make the hard decisions. They procrastinate while silently cheering those in the public eye who hold their views. This posture is no longer tenable. Glomming personal cowardice on the courage of others is anti-Christian. The person who knows the right thing to do and chooses not to do it, it is a sin for that procrastinating individual. The proven path to least resistance leads to a cross, not some other ideal. We have it in our, eye, in our heads that if we just put it off, a better day is going to come. We don't have to do the hard thing. Actually, it is the hard thing that is the path to least resistance. The person who avoids the cross will find their souls bleeding out in a potter's field. There is a way that seems right to the carnal mind, but it will prove over and over again to be the path to an inglorious death that adds no value to God's fame or the salvation of souls. It has now become atrocious to spend our days on Facebook sharing our favorite quote from our favorite hero, hoping it will be enough to turn the tide. Wormwood could not be more pleased. Without being mean toward others, we cannot self-censor any longer. We can be full of grace and truth, but it must be more than that. There are other costs to count, the first of which will be our courage or the lack thereof. I realize this is an overused quote, but Teddy Roosevelt got it right when he said this, quote, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. 
The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fall, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat? I do not know if you should get a vaccine. I would not impose my view on you because the Bible does not tell us what to do specifically about this matter, which brings us back to purposeful freedom. But what I do know is that you cannot take the role of a spectator. You must activate your faith, which is the only kind of faith there is. You must make many decisions and then reacquaint yourself with them each day, adjusting what you must and marching forth as an ambassador of Christ, courageous regardless of the cost. The cost will be more than taking or refusing the vaccine. You may have to leave your church, break away from relatives, move from your community, find another job, or suffer incarceration. I'm not an alarmist. Though what I'm suggesting may sound alarming to those who have never given up much for the cause of Christ, most Christians have a standard of living, and it's that standard that means more to them than whatever insidiousness that is eating away at their freedoms. The silent cancer is not silent any longer. If you don't see these things, ask the Lord to provide you with eyes to see them. If you're unwilling to look, ask the Lord to grant you repentance so you can unbury your head from the malaise. The community of Christ must come together in a spirit of love and boldness that penetrates our dark world for the fame of God, the cause of Christ, and the redemption of many hopeless souls. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.